And now it's time for us to turn our attention towards the world of Gaelic games. And to do so, firstly, I'm delighted to say I'm joined on the line by Martin Kearney, our GA analyst. Martin, a very good afternoon to you. How are you doing, Grieving? How are you? We're very good. Thank you very much, Martin. Uh, firstly, James Horne has been doing the rounds with his media appearances in the past week. He appeared to be in suitably positive form. And I think, if it's correct in saying, considering where we were this time last year, an unconvincing National League campaign was uh, certainly uh, in, in the bag at that point. Many people felt uh, an All-Ireland final was beyond this young Mayo team, but now we're looking at a team that wasn't just in transition, but staked a claim for itself on the national stage. Oh yeah, like last year, let's be honest about it, to use an old rugby cliche, it was certainly one against the head to see Mayo going to an All-Ireland final. And like, I mean, I was privileged to be at every game by the final. And I mean, the quality of the performances they gave in all of those games was really, really commendable. And the fact that the team was, you know, backbone by so many young lads, um, you know, probably James Horne had already made excuse of things didn't work out for him. But from what I can see with all James Horne's team, they go into games with a huge level of self-belief. And that self-belief was evident right through the championship last year. And like I remember the first day going down to Elitrim, where we beat Elitrim and Carrick and Shannon. And OK, it wasn't great early on. You weren't uh, kind of expecting too much from them. But incrementally, they improved game on game. And OK, you can say maybe they, Kerry didn't come out of Munster, so we got a, a, a tilt at, um, at Tipperary in the semi-final. But to get to a final last year, I think, was just an amazing, amazing achievement. And again, unfortunately, we didn't win it. But at the same time, I'm prepared to look at the I'm prepared to look at the positive side of it, and just see the actual experience that an awful lot of the younger players got, and the actual kind of shall we say an increase in confidence and self belief that would have come from that campaign. So it, it has raised expectations for every one of us this year. And obviously, that games go ahead. But no, um, James Horn has done, you, you know, last year he came in with so many, many young lads. But um, the, the end result was, uh, you know, very satisfactory. 100% satisfactory and, you know, didn't claim the elusive All-Ireland title, but it did prove that there is an abundance of talent within the setup and that James Horn has available to him to select how important will it be, and Martin, and you were writing this week about the history of McHale Park, the importance of it within football and sports in this county. How imperative is it now for the county board to work as hard as they can to resurfacing that pitch? Because Mayo's performances at home have been nothing short of an embarrassment, really. And I think that was evident with James speaking as well. He feels that something very much so needs to be done uh, to Mikhail Park to lengthen the pitch and improve the grass that is currently there in Castle Bear. Yeah, well, uh, uh, maybe there's there's no harm um, if for a moment you're just looking at the history of Mikhail Park. We've been, uh, I, I won't go long over this, but it opened in, t- in 1931 to, a, uh, I suppose, a capacity of 26,000. And all through, from there until 2005, it was under the generalship, so to speak, of Mikhail or, or of uh, Castle Bear Mitchell Football Club. And okay, all along, I suppose there were different strands of development. There was a big development in 19, between 1950 and 52. But ironically, that it was after that period that 
an awful lot of things started to go wrong. Like, for example, if you were to take the period between 52 and, and uh, 1979, Mayo played eight Connacht finals there. They lost seven of them. You know, over that 27-year period, it was a barren, a barren ground for us. The 80s and 90s, you know, of the seven finals played, only three were won. And I think it has been the modern, uh, the, 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 in recent times, you know, where since 2004 we have played, I think it's um, it was common once, Galway three times in London once. We have won four of those five games. So the, in recent times there has been a better record. But going back uh, prior to, um, it, it, you know, you could say this millennium, no, it wasn't one of the, uh, shall we say, it wasn't one of our favourite um, hunting grounds. Um, you were mentioning there, you know, trying to kind of improve it. Well, there is a, a com- there is a committee set up at the moment by the county board. I happen to be on it actually, Quivine. Um, it's under the chairmanship of Michael Diskin, and we we have found it very difficult because of the COVID issue to to meet. But there is a great what I would call urgency to actually meet over the next while and bring the to bring the game up to or bring the pitch up to rather an improved level from what where it's at. Like if you look at it for a moment, I was I was involved with Mitchells in the eighties and nineties uh, administrative level when the likes of Paddy Kerrigan, Mick Ruan, Mick Flynn, guys like that did immense work on improving the drainage. I mean, there were lateral drains put in at ten meter intervals, and they certainly kind of did what they said in the tin. They improved the drainage, and I thought very, very, very well. But unfortunately, the praying surface itself. The playing surface didn't change. And it is on that aspect of things now that I think the main focus is going to be improving the playing surface, lengthening the pitch at the Albany end of the ground and making it a ground that has higher quality and that is a fit, shall we say, a home venue for the likes of Mayo. Because let's be honest about it, Mayo have been one of the top teams but they have been playing on a surface, I think, and on a pitch whose dimensions, I often think, don't fully suit them, Grieving. Yeah, it has been quite evident that it's not a happy hunting ground, as you mentioned, Martin. They don't seem to be at home or comfortable there. And even from the layman's position, sitting at home, watching matches from around the country, you can instantly see the difference on the quality of the turf in the likes of the brand new Porky Queef, of course, Crow Park as well. And when you go back to McHale Park, it does look to be a surface from a previous era, unfortunately, Martin. Yeah, well, the, the thing I know from speaking with Michael Diskin, actually, <laughs> funny enough that you'd asked me to uh, speak on your program today about this, because last week I spoke about him, or spoke with him about it. But the main thing that he mentioned to me is that the the, the, the quality of machinery, the quality that is available to um, people now uh, improving their grounds is a way, way on a different scale, a way better scale than it would have been even 10 years ago. They can do it very quickly. They can do it. Like, I think what's intended to be done is, okay, we're lengthening it. Um, we're putting in more drains. Uh, they're going to sand it and put a new surface on it. But I think the, the, the machinery available to them and the quality of the sand, I believe, available, uh, available uh, to the county board to put on the park is of a much higher quality than it would have been in the past. And the, the one thing about it, though, if 
if and when it is to go ahead, it needs to happen soon, Cuevine. It has to happen at a period of the year, first of all, when the ground is relatively dry, and secondly, when there is growth. Like, to leave this go to the back end, I think you're basically postponing the work for another year. Excellent stuff, Martin Kearney. Many thanks for giving us that information on Mikhail Park. I know you have to jet off, but thank you very much for informing us there on the developments with Mikhail Park. Pleasure, Cleveland. Thank you for asking me on. That was Martin Kearney there giving us information surrounding the redevelopment of Mikhail Park. It was something James Horne, when he was speaking here to the Saturday Sports Show last week, really he highlighted it again and again. And just to continue this discussion, I'm joined on the line by Michael Kelly. Mike, you, I'm sure you're listening to Martin Kearney there. It does seem to be a major issue and it is looking like it's another consequence and poor reality with uh, the COVID crisis in terms of construction not being able to go ahead. Many people are, are feeling that pinch at the moment in time. And if it was free to be redeveloped, it, it, there is a, an expectation that it would be done quite quickly. Yeah, there is, but you've already had, um, I think it was Liam Moffat or somebody from the county board coming out to say that Mayo's games this year are going to be played in McHale Park. So we know already that it's going to be at least August, September, around that time, before any work is, is even going to begin. And as Martin just said, by doing that, you're effectively postponing it until 2022 because it's just too late in the year to be doing uh, things like that. You know, we often see with uh, obviously teams over in England in the Premier League and that obviously a lot more money involved but it's done during the off-season in the summer so that it's ready to go around August, September. You get the rare occasion like we've seen recently with Ellen Road being redone in the middle of a season but you know they, they don't do it in in October, November, December kind of time because it's not the time to be growing grass and stitching it together and all that kind of stuff. Now is the time of year. Now, obviously, I'm looking out the window now, and it's far from the type of weather you want to be out uh, laying down a new pitch. But in general, this time of year is when you want to do it. And like, there, there is no football going on at the moment, and there's not going to be for a while. So, uh, why the county board aren't looking into doing or get, getting things in place so that as soon as they can begin to do it, they do begin to do it, and just you know, it, it, it's likely that next year Mayo are not going to get to play any league games at home. In, in McHale Park why not this year when there's no, going to be no fans there just say play the games I think there's only two home games this year because of the way the, the league is structured play them in Ballina or Charlestown or you know, Ballandine if you have to because there's going to be nobody at the game so what does it matter now is the time to do it Is there the, the potential for an element of resentment to emerge from the Mayo footballing public in terms of the a uh, burden of debt that is weighed upon clubs in this county for McHale Park and already we're looking at it and viewing it in terms of an outdated stadium not fit for purpose for the modern uh, top level quality matches looking at Porky Cueve it's world class and standard seems to already have the surface of Crow Park and here in the west Galway don't have a, a stadium that, that is really of that top level in nature Mayo as well in McHale Park we of course have that new stand glorious as it may be it is just a single stand the rest of the patrons going to McHale Park are left outside in the cold sitting on slabs of concrete that's not ideal that's not something you would see uh, around the world for athletes playing at what is an elite level sport here in this country yeah, and look, you know, the the argument has been made in the past that where would you build a stadium like that or, you know, 
you can't put it there where McCabe Park currently is because of the the houses around it and all that. You look at kind of the size of the area where McHale Park is. Now, I know some of it belongs to Castlebar Mitchells, um, or it could, it could be that it's rented, but it's, it's for use for Castlebar Mitchells anyway. The stadium, when they redeveloped it, didn't have to stay where it was. It could have been slightly moved further away from McHale Road and, you know, away from the houses and all that around there. And you could have easily built a stadium similar to, like, you see... The, uh, I think is it, is it that Real Madrid are currently playing in when they've no fans. You know, it, I think it's only about a twenty thousand seater stadium, but it's an all seater stadium. It's small, as in it, it's low. We don't have these big grand stands, which you don't need. You look at the you know the 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 single stand is there in McHale Park now, and it was out of date before they'd even finished building it with those pillars in the front. Most people now choose to go to other parts of the ground. Like you said, the cold concrete slabs are the preferred spots for a lot of people because they don't have those pillars in the way. They get to see the whole game and there's more of an atmosphere outside the stand. It became dated very, very quickly. Galway, like you mentioned, you know, they, they have something fairly similar with maybe a bit of a better stand, but that's it. And again, where do you build one up there? Maybe out by the old airport or something. There isn't really a place for a Parky Cueve type of stadium, and there certainly isn't the appetite from, I'd say, any county to get into the court level of debt for that type of stadium, particularly if it's not one that they're going to share, you know, maybe let uh, Connacht Rugby play in, for example, or if it was big enough, let the Irish rugby or soccer team bring the odd friendly into, into the game, which is what should be happening with Parky Cueve. There's just not the appetite for that around here. And I think even the pitch redevelopment, you know, they have this new, the, the Mayo Wall thing and that as a way of raising some funds. A certain amount of debt is probably still going to end up back on the clubs. And that's going to cause more resentment, even if it does improve the playing surface for arguably a handful of teams, because it's generally the same handful of teams in Mayo who reach the knockout stages of the club championships, reach the county finals. You know, a lot of teams very rarely get the chance to play uh, play at uh, McHale Park. And yet, you know, they're going to end up paying uh, paying off this this pitch that they may very rarely ever get to use. Yeah, and there is an argument to be made too towards the club game where many of the atmospheres, when they are at a higher level, it's often in the quarterfinals of the club championship or in some of the group games when they're played in Bellana and James Stevens Park. It's a it's a very quintessential club ground under the beautiful backdrop, very intimate in in nature. The stadiums and the stands are very close to the pitch. Uh, there should really be a lot more matches spread out throughout the the county as opposed to just being all lumped in to McHale Park for the latter stages of the club championship. You will see later this year if crowds of of whatever size are allowed go to club games and you know these games are going to be played September, October time. So there's no reason why there shouldn't be at least, you know, what would be considered big crowds for club games in Mayo because we know over the last 10, 15 years big crowds are 100 people. And if these games, you know, if you get... Ballon Tubber taking on um, Westport in a county quarter-final and the game is being played in Island 80. You'd have a fantastic atmosphere. You know, if you have Castlebar playing Ballon and they played the game in Foxford like they used to, you'd have a fantastic atmosphere. You'd have the crowd all the way around the pitch. Instead of 100, 200, maybe 300 people lost in a 10,000-seater 
stand in McHale Park on a cold Saturday night who may or may not stay for the second game when it's a double header. You know, the, these games used to be played, even the county final itself used to be played, depending on who was in it. You know, Ballina, Charlestown, Crossmalina, these grounds saw plenty of county finals over the years. Even Claremorris as well, when the likes of Hollymount and Ball were reaching county finals. I think, you know, they were, they were being played over there. Great atmospheres at them and big crowds that felt and looked like big crowds because, like I said, they weren't lost inside a, a massive stadium which, you know, just swallowed up the size of the crowd. It's, you know, it's the equivalent to seeing the current Leinster finals when you have 25, 30,000 people there and, and in, in an 80,000-seater Crow Park. You know, the crowd just gets lost. The atmosphere is completely diluted, whereas in the club grounds, and we'll see it hopefully later in the year, it is far better. But so much money has been pumped into McHale Park that they seem to think we have to use McHale Park. We have to justify it. We can't charge... 10 or 15 euro into, you know, James Stevens Park or into Moydavitz or Swinford or any of these other grounds around the place. But we can into McHale Park, so therefore we get more money, we get the crowd in. You know, a 1,000 people at McHale Park for for four quarterfinals or, you know, 200, 250 at each of the club grounds for four fi- quarterfinals. It's the same number of people that can charge more to bring you into McHale Park or, sorry, justify charging more. Yeah, that does seem to be the the way that things have been going in recent times. Hopefully with the uh, omission from Mikhail Park or of Mikhail Park from the uh, selections available for playing club matches this year may see, I suppose, a a fair spreading out of the top class and high quality games throughout the club championship. Just, Mike, in terms of Horan's interviews last weekend, he was speaking excellently with Mike Finnerty as well and he brought up the issue surrounding some of the new players and faces that we may be seeing come 2021 season's commencement. The likes of Jack Kearney from Kilmina, um, Aidan Orm from Knockmore, of course, he's also been mentioned. Connor Igo with Bunny Conlin, they had a very successful club championship last year, reaching the knockout stages, losing out to Hollymount Caramore in the quarterfinal. Is this a, a surprise for you to see James Horan already talking favourably about some players that can come into his panel and hit the ground running, hopefully? Um, I, I was surprised in the sense that he actually named names. That, you know, it wouldn't necessarily be James Horan's style to put that kind of pressure on younger players. You know, but everyone in the county obviously will know about you know, the likes of Conor Igo and all these young lads and know, oh, they definitely need to get a chance with Mayo. And whatever, but now you know that James Horn himself has put the names out there means you know that he's obviously looking at them. They're probably in training or you know the whatever training at home and all that that all the Mayo players are doing. They have that kind of training schedule. When they come back, they will be training with the team. So now we have to see them in the national league. You know, you have to show us these guys after saying that you think they're standout players. Put a jersey on them for more than you know. We've seen so many players over the last ten, fifteen years get. You know, one half of a league game or half of an FPD game never to be seen again. Um, give these guys a chance. Let's actually see how they are. Let's see how they get on. You know, we that that's what we saw last year with the likes of Ushin Mullen, Owen McLaughlin, you know, the, Tommy Conroy. These guys got a run of games in Jersey where it was almost a free hit because of the COVID hit season. That you know, as Martin said earlier, the excuses were there. Had Mayo gone out and lost for Scotland in the Connacht semi final, ah, well, you know, we'd a lot of young lads. It's their first season, etc., etc. You know, it's a shortened season. 2021 has all the same ready-made excuses. Throw out the young lads, you only have, what, a four-game league, I think. 
uh, and then you're straight into a championship which is going to be over fairly quickly as well and you don't have the usual pre-season length and all that kind of stuff so again throw them in see how they get on you know if you have to turn around and go back to whatever players get dropped you know guys who've been in the team for a long time you know exactly what you're going to get with those guys if you you know if you if you drop Lee Keegan out of the team, for example, and you turn around to him after three games, go right, you're back in the team. You know exactly what you're going to get from Lee Keegan. You're not going to be surprised. You're not going to be hoping. Oh God, I hope he has a good game and he can nail down that jersey. You know, you'll have an annoyed Lee Keegan who wants to hold on to that jersey and will go out and play some brilliant football. But if it's the other way around, we don't know. You know, we don't know what it's going to be like if he turns to a like Conor Igo or Jack Cowie or someone like that uh, and, and says, right, I'm throwing you in now at the deep end. You know, General O'Connor hasn't been playing well. I need you to go out and take the jersey off him. That's huge pressure to put on a young player that you know nothing about. Whereas if you if they're thrown in in the league, given those three or four games, whatever it is, and maybe the first round of the championship, which granted at the moment we don't know who that's against, but really see how they get on. Yes, if you lose the first round of the championship, so what? You'd have blooded possibly about 12 players in the space of about 12 or 15 months. And these are going to be the guys who are going to hold on to the jersey for years and years. Go back to, you know, 2009, 2010. It's, you know, considered a dark time in Mayo football, but it really should be considered a massive chink of light because the players who have held those jerseys for the last decade brought Mayo to all those semifinals, all those kind of titles, all those All-Ireland finals. They all started in 2009, 2010 and had to go through you know, a defeat against the poor Mead in, in Crow Park, defeat against Sligo, defeat against Longford. They had those scars of battle, so to speak, that carried them through the rest of the decade. Current young guys don't have it. And, you know, hopefully they'll never need it. Hopefully they will just hit the ground running and they will keep getting to Ireland in finals and finals. But if it happens, it happens. It can't be held against them. It can't be held against the manager. You have to take these chances. Yeah, that is very true to say, considering the fact that there are a large amount of retirements that have taken place in the off-season. Uh, disappointing and all to see. It's now a new year, looking forward toward a new campaign. Do you feel we will be getting into county football in April, Mike? I know there's been misinformation, fake news being sent around, confusion around the Northern Irish policy where they were expected to return to training sometime in mid-April. It doesn't seem to be transpiring in that way. How confident would you be of seeing inter-county action anytime soon? It's very hard to know uh, because, you know, <laughs> without getting into a political debate, the people making the decisions don't seem to know what's happening later on this evening, let alone what's happening tomorrow or into April and May and all that. I think, you know, inter-county players are training away. Don't for a second believe that there isn't a single county in the country who's not doing some form of collective training, even if that's groups of four or five. You know, I don't believe for a second that that's not happening. So I think once teams are told, right, pre-season starts Monday, four weeks, and then you have the National League, they're going to be ready to go. Whether that's you know April, whether that's May, I think if you get into June, if, you know if if we hit the start of June and the national leagues have not started, to me they can't be played, because if you are having this split season, the club championship and the club players need the time to to you know be prepared, play their games. They're going to need to play a couple of league games before they go into a championship and all that. I think realistically, what they should do is exactly what they did last year: push the whole inter-county season back. 
and let the clubs go first this year because it will give that bigger lead in time. You know, will give players they'll have a couple of might be four or five league games for the club, and then it's up to you know three, four, five, six championship games for the club, and then get into a, an intercounty championship. Forget the national league, get into the intercounty championship like last year. But we probably won't see it happen. There's too many traditionalists, if you want to call them that, in the GAA that won't allow. You know, given the club footballers, half a year was was probably enough for them for the next ten years. You know, there's not going to be big radical changes made again. Um, so it's hard to really know. We will get an intercounty championship. We just don't know when. And like I say, the the, the decision makers don't seem to know. You know, far more important things that need to be decided they haven't a clue about. So the likes of sports and all that, it's just hard to see them really caring about it until probably mid-May. Yeah, I think that's the unfortunate reality of it all. If they had any clue what they were doing at all, we would have some vision or some plan for seeing the return of inter-county or even club football. Something at least, it has been quite the length of time. Mike Kelly, many thanks for joining us here on the Saturday Sports Show and enjoy the weekend's action. Thanks, Ian.